subscribe on your podcast player we'd also love if you gave us a review now let's get back to building ted i mean laverne and shirley no seriously it's r&d and with me that's three hey you guys what's going on it's episode 304 now of the ron and don show and we are live from the les schwab studio what is up ron and don Nation? hey coming up 007 says i'm not even gonna leave you seven cents Who's he not leaving seven cents to when uh, he's no longer with us? You're not going to believe it. No inheritance and no soup for you. Also, we got to talk about this. A lot of buyers are picking up the phone right now and calling us and saying, hey, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. Is this the time to buy in the Pacific Northwest? Ron has some thoughts on that. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. C-17 Global Master. That C-17 Global Master is almost the biggest plane that the United States Air Force owns and runs. A C-17, Ron, you've been on one of those when you went to Haiti. Uh, It's pretty incredible that the Afghan people now, by the thousands, are lining up at the the airport in Kabul. And we saw a C-17 Global Master trying to take off the other day. It's actually out of JBLM. As a result of that, they say somewhere between five and seven people perished as they were clinging to the plane. They found human remains on the landing gear. Yeah, and they found human remains when the plane landed. So sad. Uh, They said that the crew had to make a decision about taking off because there was small arms fire. At the same time, the Taliban is saying, hey, if people want to go to the airport, if they want to get on a plane and they want to leave, we've kind of changed our ways and they're welcome to do that. And at the same time, we're hearing stories now of the Taliban going door to door, house to house, forcing girls to change their clothes and also uh, beheading men that they believe helped the Americans and the allies. It seems like Joe Biden is pretty pissed about this. And he said, you know what? This is on me. Buck stops with me. I'm going to take the blame. I'm not going to pass this on to another president. After 20 years, it was time to stop, and we stopped. What say you? Well, but then he turned around and blamed everybody else right after he said that sentence. He's like, Buck stopped with me, but the Taliban, you know, Afghanistan didn't stand up, and Trump, you know, negotiated for a May exit, which are both things are true. So I want to do a disclaimer here. I am not an Afghanistan expert at all. This has been going on. Uh, like there are nuances to this thing that go back centuries that I have no very little understanding on. Here's what I, what I do think though, strongly about number one is I've been on one of these planes when you are taking a humanitarian flight. Uh, As you said, I was in Haiti after the earthquake covering that story. I was on the plane when we loaded, not as many people that are in the picture you saw that's going around right now at Afghanistan, but we packed, uh, probably 350 to 500 people onto that plane and, and flew from Haiti to Miami. Uh, and, and that was one of the most moving things I've ever been a part of uh, to watch those folks get evacuated from that earthquake zone. Very different scenarios here. Here's my takeaway on this. I think the United States owes it to the people of Afghanistan that assisted us at their peril to get them out of that country and give them safe harbor 
to, to the United States if they want it. I think that's the bare minimum of what we owe people. I'm talking about interpreters. I'm talking about people that assisted the United States. I'm talking about innocent Afghans, especially women and girls that are now going to be subjugated under Sharia law. I think that we we chose to invade that country 20 years ago. And, you know, we can talk about George Bush starting this war and, you know, under some terms that looking back now were not what they said they were, the whole axis of evil stuff and the having uh, nuclear weapons and all of the, you know, the cake uranium and all that stuff that turned out to not be true. We chose to go in there and, and insert ourselves. And I think it was David Petraeus that said, and correct me if I'm wrong, you break it, you bought it. We went in and started breaking plates. Colin Powell said that. Colin Powell said that. Uh, you break it, you buy it. Now we're not, we were leaving the store going, hey, sorry, I broke everything. He said, you break it, you got to fix it, is what Colin Powell said. Okay. If, if you break this, then you have to stay and fix it. And so we've spent, I've seen $1 trillion and I've seen $2 trillion over the course of 20 years. So, and I saw a post today that it's hard to argue with. And it's basically said, the reason why you don't have universal health care is not immigrants and it's not politics. It's $2 trillion in, 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 in military spending in Afghanistan over the last 20 years. It's, it's a, that's a tangent we probably don't need to go down. But I think at a bare minimum, we have an obligation as Americans, if we're going to come in and say, we're the shining light of the world. We're coming in here to defend democracy. Uh, we believe in human rights. We believe in women's rights. We believe in, in, in girl rights and girl education. Then when it crumbles and falls, then we owe it to them to give them the opportunity to get out of there. Uh, that is about the nuanced position that I have because I don't understand the, the way these tribes interact. I don't understand Sharia law. I don't really understand the nuances of, of how these different things fit together in Afghanistan. But what I do know is that we lampooned Russia for going, oh, look at Russia, went in there and then spent all this money and spent decades, and boy, they lost. We're not going to be that way. And then we do exactly the same thing that Russia did and now, I mean, I think it's disgraceful. How about you? Well, I think what, what's hard and what, what turns my stomachs is, is when you see like M4 rifles that are American or you see the Humvees or you see Black Hawk helicopters uh, that we left there uh, because that was the one thing that the Taliban was afraid of. They were afraid of the Black Hawk because when you saw the Black Hawk, they knew that there were special op operators, night stalkers. Uh, JSOC operators that that were in those planes, and and you know even SEAL Team Six would arrive in a in a in a Blackhawk like that, and they would come out and say, "Hey, we 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 go out in the middle of the night to to do bad things to bad men." So uh, so that that helicopter flying around Afghanistan and Iraq, it's what kept kept the Taliban in check, and so that's one of the reasons we left dozens and dozens of helicopters over there. Well, guess who has those helicopters now? The Taliban does. Guess who has uh, those Humvees? The Taliban does. Guess who has those M4s? The Taliban does. And so, and 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 guess who took our money? <laughs> the Afghans did, and the Taliban did, and then they just kind of paid everyone off. I think Joe Biden, if this is correct, he said, "Hey, there was about eighty thousand people that we knew we need to get out of there. We were immediately trying to help twenty-two thousand. 
but only a couple thousand people actually wanted to leave at the time. That's the story that he's selling. And so what happened with the Afghans and what happened with the Americans and all the allies, when they, when, when they saw the, the Afghan army completely melt away, completely melt away, I think that's what uh, was caught. Biden wasn't ready for that. And you know what? Nobody was ready for but, that. No, but I, I, I disagree because we we followed this relatively closely. You know, the first ten. You years disagree that the they could only get a couple thousand out because no, only I a disagree. couple thousand wanted to get out. So no, I, I disagree with both of those. You don't think that story's true? Well, there's more than two thousand people trying to get on that plane. No, no. The reason why there's two, more than two thousand people now is because the Afghan army fell apart. Right. So, but, but so that was not so a surprise. You, I don't. I'm think. just telling you what Joe Joe Biden was right. saying. And what his aides were thinking and what the military was thinking is, hey, we've propped these guys up. We've given them lots and lots of training. Uh, they've gone out in those Blackhawks next to our JSOC special operators. They now have special operators. They have the equipment that they need. And they should be able to stand up for themselves. And in a matter of days and hours, it all fell away. And then what Joe Biden is saying is now everybody wants to get on a plane and people are hanging from planes. Where were they months ago when we were when we were offering to get them out and and, and the planes were empty? Well, so. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll take your word for it. The thing that, I, that we did have access to when we were on the radio, we did get to talk to a lot of generals. We did get to talk to a lot of experts in this field. And the one thing that I took away from that was that our way of thinking about the world where we're America, we're the good guys, you're the bad guys. This very, you know, linear way of thinking. There's a, a white hat and a black hat, and we know how to go with war. That is not the way things are thought about in this region. There are multiple tribes. There are multiple allegiances. There is just, there is not a clear-cut white hat and a black hat. You could be in the military, and they're very sophisticated when it comes to, like, Who's in power? Who's got the leverage? My allegiances can move around in that. In in, we would call it flipping. They say no. Like I'm just I'm paying attention to like it doesn't make it. Why am I going to take a hill when I know I'm just going to get shot down? So like in their way of thinking, if you're in a specific tribe with a specific allegiance, and that allegiance is changing underneath you, you are going to protect yourself, and you're going to angle to stay alive. Uh, and, and so we just don't have the same type of worldview that, that exists there. And so I think it wasn't a surprise to me that the military melted away because they saw the, the tides changing. In a sense, you can respect that of going, dude, I've grown up here. It's been constant war my entire life. I'm not going to rush up the hill and plant a flag there to get shot. Like, yeah, I was on this team because that was the team in power. Now they're not in power anymore. I'm not going to stay on that team. I'm going to switch teams because I want to stay alive. I want my family to stay alive. We as Americans would view that as cowardice or that you're flip-flopping. In that part of the world, that's called intelligence. Because you're like, yeah, if I'm if I'm running around planting a flag on the hill, that guy dies. Yeah, I think what we'll both we will both agree that lives that were lost there uh in american lives that were lost of especially young men and some young women that signed up after 911 because they want to do what toby keith said i'm going to go stick a boot in their her it's the american way right and now here we are 20 years later will that continue to be 
the American way. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don for your good friends at Les Schwab. And we just want to thank them for sponsoring our show for the past 10 years. Over 10 years now, they've sponsored the show. And the reason we love them so much, yeah, when you think Les Schwab, you think tires and wheels. But also, they're really concerned about your safety, you guys. And a lot of us are driving now more than ever. We're on the other side of COVID, some of us feel like. We're driving back to school. We're driving those kiddos this fall. We're also driving to work. We're on I-5 a lot. Or we're driving over the pass because you just bought a vacation home over there. Or you headed over there for the 4th of July, or you're getting ready for the end of summer and you want to go to Lake Chelan one more time. Don't forget a Les Schwab. Stop by because they can do something called a free pre-trip safety check. Yeah, it normally costs $60 anywhere else that you go. Les Schwab's going to do it for free. They're going to check all the safety components, alignment, battery, brakes, and shocks, absolutely free of charge. You can set up a pre-trip safety check at leschwab.com or just stop by a Les Schwab Tire Center. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options, like here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house. I bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. Don's listening skills were um, superior. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide, their services, were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> We were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward. And uh, no, everything's great. Uh, you know, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Whether you've tuned in for the radio show or the real estate business, you're in for one heck of a show. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. I think it's interesting when you look at people that have signed the letter. It's called the letter at the Bill and Gates, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, we'll see what it's going to be called as we kind of move forward. But nonetheless, there's over 257 people that have signed a letter that said, hey, when, when I die, when I pass away, I want to give the majority of my wealth to the foundation to give the majority of my wealth away. Uh, and even the Gates came out and said that they only plan on leaving 2% of their entire wealth. They only plan on giving that to their children. Uh, and some of those things they give to them now for tax reasons. They don't wait until they pass or they're dead. Uh, some of those things. 2% like, of like $190 billion. Yeah, like he just bought, it, like Bill just bought this incredible horse farm, or Bill and Melinda did, I, I, I believe. They bought this incredible horse farm. Uh, for their daughter. And they own a lot of land. They own a lot of farmland. Uh, we have found out through these divorce proceedings. It's, it's kind of interesting. And I think about this a lot as a single dad uh, and not growing up with a lot. 
and there and there's some things I look back on that I wish I wish I didn't have to work so hard at such a young age. Uh, I wish I could have enjoyed uh, maybe playing sports in high school a little bit more, but it got to the point where, you know, when there was a certain season where I would want to go out, for instance, and wrestle, it was either that or got to go work. Uh, and in those cases, I would have to go work. And I would have rather been on a wrestling mat. Uh, and even when I played football, a lot of times after football, I would go work and on the weekends I would work. Also, it, it, was, it was really important for me to get a scholarship and going to college because my mom always let me know that there wasn't any college money. And then once you get to college, it's, it, it, it's kind of forced on you to kind of figure out what the next chapter is going to be like because you're on the clock, right? And, and, and you have this scholarship money that I was very, very grateful for. So I never jumped into debt like a lot of people do. Daniel Craig, who played uh, a 007, has come out and said, what about giving money away uh, to his kids? Because this is something I think about. Uh, often he basically this- said i'm not giving an inheritance to our two daughters so he's married to rachel lights mm-hmm. the actress uh they have two daughters that are very young at this time and this could change by the time they get older but right now he was speaking out and saying i i think it would do them a disservice if uh you know because we've made a lot of money with with uh i think she was in a beautiful mind if i'm thinking of the correct actress uh he of course made a lot of money in the 007 he's been in a lot of other movies so you're not they're not Bill Gates wealthy, but they're wealthy um, by Hollywood standards. And he's like, he goes, that's just I don't believe in it. Like I, they need to make their own way the same way that I made my own way. And I'm not just going to hand it to them on a silver platter. And I he doesn't seem to be doing it out of any sort of bitterness or whatever. It seems like in his mind, it's a loving act. He's not saying, oh, I want to go frivolously spend all the money. He's saying, I think it's better for them that they don't just get handed this giant checkbook uh, at some point in their life. And I can see the logic in that. I, I, I don't think they're going to be destitute, you know, like they're going to grow up in very comfortable means their whole life. So it's not like he's withholding stuff from them right now. But I just think saying, hey, when they turn 18, when they turn 21, they're not going to inherit $20 million. Yeah, I think about that, and I've never inherited anything uh, from anyone. Uh, so put me on your inherent. It's, my life isn't over yet, so I don't know who's going to get. Uh, You've inherited just some great looks and a I don't, fantastic. Uh, sense yeah, I don't of know humor. who's going to get uh, dirt shoveled on their face first, but uh, uh, make sure you include me uh, in, your, in your will. I would appreciate that. I, I think this is true. I think it's absolutely true. I, I look back on all the stuff that I just shared. But it, it was the tough times where I learned the most. It was the hard times uh, and even times when I was fearful. Sometimes you just have to do things when you're afraid and you're in the middle of something and you're afraid. But you learn so much through that process. You can't learn that in a book. Uh, you can't necessarily learn that by just watching your parents go through something. There's there's something about going through the Great Depression yourself. There's something about the fortitude and the grit that a lot of kids of this generation are going to have by going through this pandemic when they were very young. This is going to be something that they talk about in the same way that my grandparents always talked about the Great Depression or in the same way that our grandparents, too, talked about World War II, or maybe our parents talked about things in Vietnam or maybe Afghanistan and Iraq. So these are the types of things as a parent that I'm very concerned about. Because what I don't want to do 
when my son turns 18 and say, hey, here's your 529 plan. Uh, here's all your money for school. Have a great life. Go to college. Have fun. And I'll, I'll, I'll see you in four years. I, I, I think it's really important, even at this age, that we stop focusing on algebra so much, right? And, and maybe even in our schools, what, what, what would hurt us to say, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to teach algebra anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to teach about credit scores. We're going to teach about leverage. We're going to teach about personal finance. We're going to teach you about debt. We're going to tell you why you probably don't want to get that credit card when you're 18 and start buying stuff. Or maybe you do, and this is the kind of stuff that you want to buy. This is good debt. This is positive debt. Don't be afraid of that debt. The way that you build income or the way that you can build wealth is through debt. But hey, going out and getting that brand new truck that you just had to get when you're 18 years old, now you're going to learn about something called the credit score, and you're also going to learn about the bank or whoever holds that note calling you over and over and over again. What about some sort of inheritance where there are strings attached, where it's like, hey, child, uh, when you turn this age, there is a pool of money available, but only if you do X, Y, or Z. So for instance, you could say, if you wanted to get an education, if you would like to start a small business, if you want to, whatever, whatever it is that your family values, uh, buy a piece of real estate, let's say, there are, there are four things on the menu if you do one of those four things, you can access that money. Yeah. What you can't do is buy a new truck and go take a trip yeah. uh, and have a party with your friends on Lake Mead. Yeah. Like you can't do that, but you could do these other things. And if you don't want to do those things, the money just sits there. Yeah. I, I want my son to go through hard times. I want him to have to work at, at night. I want him to learn grit because through grit, you, you learn gratitude. And I really believe that. Uh, and at the same time, I, I, I see those parents that say, hey, I don't want it to be as hard on my children as it is on me. Uh, but sometimes uh, we end up doing too much. And I see that in, in, in fatherhood of saying, I really need to make sure that I'm not walking too far ahead of him or too far behind him. But I'm I'm partnering with him. And the thing that the thing so that let, I've learned, let me, let, me let, me, let, me, let me finish this real quick. The thing that I've learned in, in, in parenting, especially with my boy is I generally don't say yes or no to him when he asks me something. It's not a yes, no. When he asks me for something, and you know he's not afraid to ask you for what he wants, and typically it's not something that costs money. It's usually an experience. It's your time. It's advice. It's something. And sometimes it's a video game. Uh, but I have learned to, like, like we don't have a set time that he has to be in bed every night. But he kind of knows the time. And then if he wants 10 more minutes... It's a negotiation. When I wake up up in the morning, usually he wants two more minutes. I'll give him those two minutes, and then after that, the negotiation starts. So whether it's for breakfast, whether it's a video game, whether it's walking Charlie, we will talk it through and negotiate because life is a negotiation. So I want I want him to understand the art of negotiation, the art of leverage, uh, and at the same time, I also want him uh, to understand exactly what you just said, Ron, exactly what you just said. If I give too much to you, too early, uh, I'm going to F up my child, and I don't want to do that. But let me ask you this. In, uh, have you done stuff, and maybe you didn't, but I, this is just an observation, like s time to go school shopping. Your son will have a really cool pair of shoes, or he'll have a really cool outfit. Mm -hmm. And I know that you and I growing up, we didn't always get 
the shoes that we wanted or the outfit we wanted because our parents just couldn't afford it. Yeah. When they had three kids and all three are going back to school, you you know, it's like you could get one outfit, but you couldn't get the shoes. Yeah. Or you could get the shoes, but that means you didn't get the outfit. Is there a little bit of joy or pleasure for you going, yeah, get the shoes you want, get the fit you want. You're going to school and you want to look your best, do it. It is, but 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 going back to your point, I used to go out, especially when he was young and he was a baby and it's your only child, and you and you're buying like 10 pairs of shoes for them that they grow out of in about in about 10 minutes. So so now he can get the shoes that he wants, but his old shoes then go into the rotation of the old shoes. So we're allowed to have a pair of old smelly shoes. Then we can have new shoes that maybe we'd wear to school. And then, and then some kind of shower shoe, and that's it. But and then, does it give you a little jolt that you can do that? It does. It would for me. Yeah, I'm always, I'm, I'm always very, very grateful that that I don't have to buy him stride right shoes, and we, I don't have to buy him jeans with the reinforced knee called tough skins that right. that we would buy at Sears. See you on the other side. Hi everyone, my name is Therese and I am a new team member with Ron and Don. When you are ready to buy a new home, I am a buyer specialist. Just reach out and we will send a buyer's playbook that the guys wrote just for you. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, uh, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And thanks for listening. Thanks for hitting subscribe. And also thanks for reaching out and asking us for our buyer's playbook and our seller's playbook. You can go to Ron and Don Sit Down right now and uh, ask for those. Also get signed up for the newsletter. We don't bombard you uh, with newsletters every single day. uh, Or we don't sell our list like a lot of people do. Got to be careful when you're giving out that info. Uh, Anyway, we'll just send you one newsletter a week. And if anything special is going on, maybe we'll send you... A reminder. It's kind of interesting. We we have listed a lot of homes this year. We're very fortunate that people in the Ron and Don Nation have wanted, wanted to sell their homes. So and 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 we're prepping lots of homes right now as we head head back to school. Uh, but Ron, we're also seeing starting to see some daylight for some buyers out there. Uh, and in fact, there were some people that come and they stayed at my Airbnb. We ended up finding a home for them, and then this is a referral business. So this couple referred us to another couple, and you've been out shopping with them, and you've noticed some trends as you've been out uh, uh, taking buyers around, right? Well, I, I, I met with them. We're going to be writing an offer. I had some other folks that we looked at some houses. And, and probably the biggest question I get, or one of the biggest themes, is how do I time the market? I don't want to pay too much. Things have been crazy. How do I time the market? I, I want to get in, but I don't know how to do it. The answer is that is we can't time the market. But I would like to say this, and I, I think that you would agree with me on this. We can't time the market. Show's over. Good night. <laughs> right. <laughs> is, is we've had uh, a lot of events to create a perfect storm in Seattle and Pacific Northwest this year. It was the number one fastest growing large city in America. So that happened. We had a pandemic where many people were getting stir crazy and they wanted to move for various reasons. So that happened. Money loan rates were historically low, as low as they could possibly get. Mm. The lowest in the last 50, like on record, they were the lowest. So those three things come together that created this surge in demand in the marketplace. And we saw stuff selling with 50 offers, uh, way over list price, et cetera. Everybody knows that story. And so now it's like, well, how do I, if I'm a little bit risk averse or if I'm a little more conservative, if I don't want to get in there and duke it out with 50 other buyers, what about me? 
what if I want to buy a, an investment property or what if I want to buy that, that new house uh, in the city? Uh, what about me? Well, you can, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't time the market. I will say this though, as we, if you called us right now and said, Ron and Don, I want to get all my ducks in a row. I'm going to talk to finance. I'm going to pull my credit score. I'm going to get everything ready to go, get my down payment ready, get my earnest money ready. We're going to start to get search parameters. We're going to meet with you guys, do a Rondon sit down. We're going to get our game plan together because what I would tell you is when we get on the other side of October, so it's going to take us 30 to 45 days for most people to just get everything ready to roll. Now we're talking about, you know, end of September, we're going to go into October when you get into the holiday season, in my opinion, that's when you're going to get a buy. If you're a buyer, your greatest chance of getting that deal is going to be November, December, January, maybe into February. Just historically in Seattle, that's the window. Those four months, in my opinion, if you're a buyer and you don't want to be elbowing people out, because when it's raining and it's dark at 3 p.m. Uh, here in the, in the Pacific Northwest, there's not 80 people at that open house. When it's 51 days of sunshine in a row and you're out getting ice cream anyway, and you do, oh, there's an open house over there. Let's go check it out. That's when everybody's at the open house. When it's November, you know, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, that's the day to buy that house, in my opinion. Do you concur with that? I can't guarantee you on the time, yeah, but I can guarantee you that's the window. It, it's even interesting. Uh, my son and I went out. I have a, a friend who has some kids, and they have a new boat. And so we went out. And this boat is hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a beautiful, beautiful boat. And so we went out on the boat the other day, and he was just talking over and over again. about. And we looked around. There were boats everywhere. And he's talking about he's so glad that he got a boat this summer. Uh, and I've owned boats before. And what I've learned in owning boats is it's just, and he really appreciated this. He's, he's, he's like, cause when I gone on, I immediately hand him a hundred dollars for gas. I, I always have groceries in hand. I bring all different types of, of, of beverages and snacks to eat that day. And then also to, to leave behind. I always ask if I can help, uh, if he's in a point where he needs me to steer or drive the boat. Uh, cause sometimes being the captain is kind of a bummer. Because uh, you don't get to do cool and fun stuff, or if you need me to help tie it up the dock, whatever, whatever it is. But and Ron is really good at this. It, it's just better to go out on somebody else's boat because then a day like this happens, and I talked to him today, and we are sitting in the gray skies. Uh, uh, we're looking at gray skies out of the windows of uh, the Les Schwab studio today, and he was telling me this morning, he's like, "Why did I buy that damn boat?" Why did I buy it? Why? So, so there's something that happens to Ron's point. When the clouds come back, people get a little cloudy inside. They're not as cheery. They're not throwing as much money. And then also we just get busy. We just get busy. And you, you walk into an airport right now. And when I flew to Albuquerque, I couldn't believe number one, that I could get a nonstop flight from Seattle to Albuquerque. Every single uh, seat was taken up. And then when you look by the standby board, they had 10 names up there all the time. Same thing with flying back. So lots of people are on the move. Lots of people are not paying attention. During the holidays, you get just more focused on nesting. And maybe the grandparents are going to come this year. They didn't come last year, whatever that is. Making sure everybody gets vaccinated and all that. One of our best buys that we made last year uh, was down in Tacoma. 
and it was on a mid-century modern house. The, the, the realtor was out snowboarding, and it came on at 5.50, and I went and I, I called my person because we had missed out on a number of homes and I said, hey, I'm going to go running at them with the checkbook, and I hit him with a number, and I said, I think we'll be able to buy this house with this number, right? So we went running with the checkbook, and we made this offer, and he was up snowboarding, and at first he kind of rebuffed me, and I could tell that he was getting mad. And it's like, and the reason he was getting mad is because I started this negotiation with him on Thanksgiving Day. He's up snowboarding on Thanksgiving Day, the agent is. And he knows legally, if I send him an offer, if we send him an offer, he has to present that offer to his sellers. And he did not want to do it. He was with his family and he wanted to keep snowboarding. And I'm like, dude, you're the one that put this house up for sale. The day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, the day before Thanksgiving. Here I am at Thanksgiving. He's like, no, no, no. Just wait for the offer review. I said, I'm not going to wait for the offer review. You know you have to show this to your seller. And, And it was a very, very clean clean offer for over 550 we sent that and the seller went yeah you know what that seller made the agent work because again legally in the state of washington they have to present the offer and so that was one of our best deals last year one of our best buys and and if you look at the house now that house is worth somewhere between 80 to a hundred thousand dollars more than it was the day that we bought it but we bought it on Thanksgiving Day because we were paying attention to what was happening in the market to your to to, to all your great points. So, so I just wanted to say, if you've been in that boat, call us right now because we want to do have that story about you in a couple months. It takes a couple months for most people to get everything ready and just get in the right mindset. So call us right now. Uh, and then I would love to have that story about you in 2022. A lot of times when you hear people, we got bought out, we, we got beat out, we got beat out, we got beat out. A lot of times they got beat out. And this is something that one of my partners taught me uh, in buying real estate. He said, you always have to make sure that your powder is dry, that you have dry powder, that you're ready to go, right? Because when you think in, in, in terms of when you used to fire a musket, and you, you fired everything you had, and then the red coats started coming, then you're in a lot of trouble. So what did George Washington teach his troops? There was only 14,000 of them, but there were hundreds of thousands of red coats. What did they do? They sat up in the trees, they kept their powder dry, and they waited until the red coats would come and come and come and come, and then boom, then they'd take action. Same here. You've been hanging out in a tree, just kind of hanging out, keeping your powder dry. You've talked to the bank. You've updated your file. You know the kind of leverage that you have and that you can offer. Can you go early? Can you can can you sign something called a 22 AD, which basically means if the house doesn't appraise, that's on us, not on you, because that makes that more attractive to the seller. So anyway, got to get the powder dry. Got to know what kind of leverage you can have. And then you have to reach out to us at ronandonsitdown.com or you can write Ron directly, ron at windermere.com and we'll get you that buyer or player book. Uh, it's an ebook. We've written it. It'll take you about 20 minutes to read over a cup of coffee and maybe we'll even send you a Ron and Don mug. All right? Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don show today. We really appreciate that. Thanks for being our friends. Thanks for allowing us to be your realtors and thanks for giving us great lives. Until next time, hit subscribe, write a great uh, review for us. And if you give us five stars, we would love that. And if you go to ronanddonsitdown.com, you can also get signed up for our weekly newsletter. He's Ron, I'm Don. As I said, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Olay! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Olay! Only. Only.
Only. Only. Only. On the Ron Don Radio Network.